Lord Jesus, it is you who wakes me up every day. And I am forever grateful for your love. This is why I pray. You let me touch so many people. And it's all for the good. I influenced so many children. I never thought that I would. And I couldn't take credit for the love they get. Because it all comes from you, Lord. I'm just the one that's giving it. And when it seems like the pressure gets to be too much, I take time out and pray. And ask that you be my crutch. Lord, I am not perfect by a long shot. I confess to you daily. But I work harder every day. And I hope that you hear me. In my heart, I mean well. But if you'll help me to grow, then what I have in my heart will begin to show. And when I get going, I'm not looking back for nothing. Because I will know where I'm headed. And I'm so tired of the suffering. I stand before you, a weakened version of your reflection. Begging for direction. For my soul needs resurrection. I don't deserve what you've given me. But you never took it from me. Because I am grateful. And I use it. And I do not worship money. If what you want from me is to bring your children to you. My regret is only having one life to do it. Instead of two. Jesus, let us pray. Father, please walk with us through the bad times as well as the good. May we be heard and understood from the suburbs to the hood. May you judge us by our hearts and not by our mistakes. And see that we get a breakthrough, however long that it takes. May you fill that void in our souls that will lay our fears to rest. Because there's no way we can live for Jesus when we're living in the flesh. So I pray that you allow our spirits to be born, grow strong, move on, know right from wrong. First John chapter 2 verse 15. Do not love the world or anything in the world. And we know what that means. But listen, we know the distance we need to be away from fire to keep it missing. That doesn't mean we'll listen. Lord, you take care of fools and babies. You teach women to honor their men and men respect their ladies. But lately, so many of us have gone astray. Doing wrong for so long that we've forgotten the way. Please bring us back home, instill in us the word which is our backbone, which is children that act grown. There was so much that we were entitled to, yet we received so little. Because in this time of spiritual warfare, we're comfortable in the middle. So I pray that you open our eyes, give us the anointing to recognize the devil and his lies. If we keep our actions wise and our prayers sincere, our heads to the sky, you will diminish our fears. In Jesus' mighty name we have prayed, amen and amen.
Hello, everybody. Welcome to episode 195 of the Hoots Podcast. It is Thursday, March the 5th, 2020. Baby! Shout out to Adam Cole really quick. It's your boy, Joshy. You can follow me on Twitter at the Hoots Podcast. I am on Instagram at JoshyLopez94 and at Josh Lopez Music. Uh... For those who had the WWE Network, March 5th is a particular date that I do remember. If you scroll back to 2012, um, March 5th, uh, they had a Monday Night Raw in Boston, Massachusetts. The reason I'm bringing this up because it reminded me, uh, the couple days after that particular Raw that was in Boston, where The Rock was going all over the place, uh, <laughs> singing songs, and then ended up confronting John Cena in the TD Garden. Um, a couple days later, I went to uh, to Boston for the uh, 2012 Berkeley National High School Jazz Festival. And um, it brought back a lot of memories. So <laughs> March 5th is a pretty particular day that I remember in wrestling history. Go check it out. It's really funny. Um Maybe I could scroll back on Twitter and put one of Brock's funny promos from that particular show at the end of the podcast. Um, so, I know he had like a promo at the Boston Common before. Yeah, it, it, it's just some funny shit. So, make sure you go check out that promo from The Rock. It's on WWE Network, Raw, March 5th, 2012. Welcome to the program, everybody. If this is your first time listening to the program, I thank you very much for the opportunity. Uh, You're a good brother and good sister to me. And shout out to all the good brothers and good sisters who listen to the podcast each and every single week. We give it to you free of charge on Apple Podcasts, Anchor, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Android, Apple Phone, <laughs> Computer, I, iPad, any word, device, streaming, podcasting app that you use, the Who's Podcast is available for you to use right now. Subscribe right now on Apple Podcasts so you never miss an episode. Leave us a four or five star rate so you can not only let me know what you think about the podcast, but also you can also um, let the world know where the best wrestling podcast is, you know. And we appreciate the support. We are five episodes, repeat, five episodes away from eclipsing 200 episodes for this particular podcast. And I'm getting more excited as the weeks come closer. Um, I'm really excited for WrestleMania. We got an amazing lineup so far. Uh, It's kind (laughs) of close to getting to what I thought it was going to be um, a couple weeks ago when I made that list. Um, I'm... I, like I said last week, I was not expecting Goldberg to be a part of this. I already gave my thoughts on that. So if you guys want to hear my thoughts on what went down with The Fiend and Goldberg and all that stuff, make sure to check out last week's podcast. Um, this week, we're going to be recapping AEW Revolution. I got a couple pieces of audio that I want to play uh, regarding The Fiend-Goldberg situation. And also uh, recapping NWA Power, episode 20 this week. Uh making predictions for uh elimination chamber the chamber of eliminations yes <laughs> and of course we got the return of the thoughts of Derrico. uh brother carter was out last week he was not able able he didn't have the capacity if you will to record a thoughts of Derrico for you guys last week but he is back this week and he has some interesting thoughts and 
Um, before we get into this fun shit, a couple other plugs I want to get out of the way. Uh, make sure to bookmark ProWrestlingTranscriptions.com. That's the website where I provide all my play-by-play uh, transcripts for every single Raw, SmackDown, NXT, NXT UK, 205 Live, AEW Dark, AEW Dynamite, uh, NWA Power, and Impact Wrestling. And, of course, I can't forget all the lovely action from New Japan Pro Wrestling as well. So make sure to check out ProWrestlingTranscriptions.com. And finally, the last plug for the week, um, I am a part of the TWE. Did I say TWE? Wow. You know, I I had the old PWE show uh, on ChicagoLandSportsRadio.com a few years back, and I, some things just don't go away, you know? <laughs> yeah, certain way you, you say certain things, but um, no, I'm part of the TWT tribe. That is the Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday tribe with Jonathan Hood. Uh, make sure to subscribe to his podcast, uh, Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday, and we have a particular episode every single week on that Lovely podcast called Hood and Lopez. Hood and Lopez is going to be winning awards in 2020. And also Hood and Lopez should be a local radio show. I'm just throwing it out there. For those who are listening to us here in the great city of Chicago. Please let the world, let Mike Thomas, let Mitch Rosen. Let anybody know around the world that Hood and Lopez should be on the radio. Okay? <laughs> so <laughs> that's the last plug I want to get out of the way for this week's podcast. What I'm sitting back here right now, I have a lot of thoughts in my mind. You know, I'm very excited for this WrestleMania trip. There's also this lingering stuff going around with the coronavirus. I don't know if I should take it seriously, whether it's a work, like the Zika virus. Um, a lot of people are losing their mind. I mean, they've been canceling stuff in Italy. Uh, New Japan put the uh, New Japan Cup on pause. Which kind of threw me off because I was getting ready. Because probably right now I'd probably be transcribing a new, a new Japan Cup show and then record this podcast later. So it been it threw my schedule all over the place. So <laughs> uh, I hope this coronavirus thing doesn't affect WrestleMania because I really need this trip <laughs> and I spent some good money on it. So um, hopefully nothing bad happens. But I'm really excited. We're about thirty two. Or 31 days away from Wrestlemania. And uh, it's going to be a fun time. I, I can't wait to be in Tampa. I'm staying at the WrestleCon Hotel. Or as uh, in legal terms. The Marriott West Shore uh, uh, Hotel on uh, in Tampa Bay. Marriott West Shore, Tampa Bay. It's literally like five or six minute drive to uh, Raymond James Stadium, which is, I got a pretty sweet deal out of this trip. I, I'm not going to lie. For those who know what's going on, I hustled the shit out of this trip. But uh, besides that, uh, on Sunday, I filed my taxes for the first time. So um, <laughs> I don't know. I feel a little weird this week. It's like an um, adult moment growing process type of thing. I, I, don't, I really don't know how to explain it. Um, I filed my tax for the first time. That went really well. Way better than I expected it to be. You know, you, all, you always get nervous when it comes to doing something for the very first time. I remember being nervous the first time I played guitar in front of uh, friends of mine and people at, in elementary school. I remember being nervous the first time that I put 
football pads on and play football for the first time in Inglewood. Anybody <laughs> that's ever, the reason I'm laughing is anybody that's ever been in Inglewood in Chicago knows why you would be nervous. <laughs> um, case in point, I, I was nervous when I had my first audition with Berkeley uh, College of Music. You know, you get you don't know how you're going to handle these seven modes. You're, you know, you're not sure if it's going to work out or not. I, I remember being nervous when I played at the Symphony Orchestra Hall downtown in Chicago. Um, it, it just it gets nerve-wracking. And even when it comes to important life things like taxes, <laughs> it's a big deal because for whatever reason, I, and it's not for me to say, but like this country is all over the place when it comes to what they want to charge you to, in order to live in the house, in order to live in the country, in or, uh, the way they want to charge you for student loans and all this extra stuff that comes with life. I understand you can't live, you can't live for free, but some of it is just way, way, way over the top. There's no reason why any school on this planet should charge somebody $27 for a full semester of school. I don't even care what school it is. <laughs> I think that's absolutely stupid. So, um, yeah. By the way, for those who are out there who are younger, maybe they're like mid, like they're in their teenage years or early uh, 20s, um, be cautious of the schools you're going to because... I, I wouldn't want you to go to a four-year college, get your degree, still have to work at McDonald's or a White Castle because you still have to pay off student loans. I just think that's ridiculous, and it's taken away for the reason you went there in the first place. So that's my tip for the day. And I got a couple more that I wanted to share at the end of the podcast. But before we get into wrestling... Well, actually, we are getting to wrestling, but before we get into AEW Revolution, because that's going to be our first topic, I wanted to share a clip from my favorite radio show uh, regarding professional wrestling, a show that you probably see on nearly every single uh, wrestling t- TV show, because you can't miss this guy's head. Uh, <laughs> here's a clip from Busted Open talking about Bray Wyatt. And what happened with him and Goldberg in Super Showdown and also his big match coming up with John Cena at WrestleMania. All you have to do is go back to WrestleMania 30. John Cena beats Bray Wyatt and that started the decline of Bray Wyatt. There's your story. If you did not get it before and still do not get it, you are the problem, people. We have just mapped it out to you. We have just given you the story that will and should unfold. The story that Bray told you by standing up after the jackhammer. The story that Bray told you on social media. The story that John told you in his promo. The story that Dave just told you dating back to WrestleMania 30. This is what was supposed to happen. This, the the fiend losing to Goldberg works for everybody. It benefits everybody. And you know what? Again, the WWE wins. Because if you're so angry about Goldberg winning, they want you to boo Goldberg at WrestleMania 36. They win at that too. 
because they want Roman to be that babyface accepted champion that you never have accepted him to be. Now you finally will because they're putting him in the ring with Goldberg, the guy that you absolutely hate right now. So in the eyes of the WWE, it's a win-win situation for them in Tampa. And the Fiend standing up tells you everything you need to know. And if you don't believe it, read his tweet. He called it a sacrifice. That means the finish didn't mean to him. Go ahead. Hit me with your half-assed jackhammer. Get this championship away from me. I don't want it anymore. It's holding me back. It's holding me back from the one person I need to find. I need to hunt. And I need to avenge. And it's John Cena from WrestleMania 30. And what are we getting now? Come on, people. Wake up. If you ask me, I think Bully Ray just hit it on the nail right there. A lot of things that go on with wrestling does have context, and I think a lot of things in WWE does go over a lot of people's head because there's a lot. And I understand there is a lot of content. Nobody understands (laughs) how much content there is weekly of WWE television than I do. And I can say that confidently because... I I dedicate right around six to eight hours a week on WWE television shows, and sometimes ten hours depending on how long the shows and how long the articles take. So I understand the amount of things that we have to process as wrestling fans, and I'm in a very different position. And those who are listening for the first time. I'm a transcriber, so what I do is I break down every single episode of Raw, SmackDown, all your favorite WWE shows, and I I put it in a transcript just for anybody who doesn't have the opportunity to watch the shows live. So, in my position, I have a very different way of looking at what's happening with WWE where I can take the emotional fan out of me, and I treat... When I watch WWE and when I treat any wrestling show, I treat it as work. I'm trying to learn something because I want to work in the wrestling business. And I, I, for me, as much as I will always be a wrestling fan, this is work for me. This is my life's work. This is my career. I love the business. Uh, I'm trying to learn something every week. I'm not trying to find reasons to... Uh, getting my feelings over a wrestling show, like or like I said last week, uh, being my panties because my favorite wrestler lost to a WCW superstar. You know, <laughs> I, I'm just not that fan anymore. I, I can't tap into that emotion anymore because that's not why I watch anymore. I, I watch this because it's work. I watch this because this is an escape for me. I watch this because it's fun. I watch this because I just love professional wrestling. It's nothing that I watch for me to pump my chest out that I'm a smarter wrestling fan than you. I don't watch this for the the glare and the love of being an analyst or anything like that. That's not the case. I, I don't watch this for the fact of, oh, I need to pump up one company and bring down another. I, I don't do that. So... When I look at when I look at things that go on on Twitter, 
and anytime Twitter goes on a fucking hissy fit about something that goes down on the WWE show, I had I can't take it at face value. I had to take it with a grain of salt because a lot of the times context does go over people's heads. And like I mentioned last week, the Fiend did not need the title, and getting a six year. Given a six-year receipt to John Cena to me on the biggest stage of the mall is a bigger story and more beneficial in my opinion for Bray Wyatt to do instead of going into WrestleMania losing the title again at WrestleMania this time to Roman Reigns and then everybody boos Roman out of the building because uh, we have this thing in society where we have anything but so when there's somebody that's not like the popular like I, I kind of can relate to this because it's like a lot of, a lot of people on Twitter and on podcasting in general in those circles in that bubble they kind of act like they're in high school where they have their packs and their clicks you know like the cool kids so if somebody's not really popular in their realm or their bubble you have to downgrade everything they do everything they say every movement they make. And you have to have anything but them. It's kind of it's kind of similar to Chicago sports fans. There's a pause because those who listen to my show are Chicago sports fans, and they know what I'm talking about. So let me guess: one week we have to figure out it's it's a Derek Carr who's magically going to make a super Super Bowl contender, or. It's going to be Eli Manning. Hell, let's bring back Cordell Stewart. Let's drag out Al Brooks. Let's bring out... Um, <laughs> Jesus Christ. Uh, can Chad Hutchinson still throw a ball? I mean, he didn't do much when he was here. Uh, can we bring out Chad Pennington? I mean, we, uh, there's the anybody but Mitch syndrome going on in Chicago. There's the anybody but Roman... Stitch out there going on because those people latched on to what CM Punk said on this podcast and basically painted everything about Roman Reigns and what is and what's not. So <laughs> that, that that's the thing. When you, I, I, I always go back to this when it comes to Roman Reigns. When you have your disdain towards Roman Reigns, if you did not hear what CM Punk said on his podcast, and be honest with me. Send to me on Twitter at the Hoops Podcast. And I'm open to the discussion and I'm open to disagreements. But one thing I will not stand for is somebody speaking for me. I will never speak, I'll never let a wrestler dictate my opinion. I'll never let a personality dictate my opinion. It's just, I just don't see the point of it. So why would you let CM Punk? And this is not a dig at Punk because Punk's my favorite wrestler, but. Honestly, when we had the Roman uh, is pushed and Vince got to make him look strong, all that stuff we've been hearing for years and years without hearing what Punk said on that podcast. I mean, we could see the writing on the wall there. So my bigger point is a lot of things do go over people's head because there's a lot of content that's going on. And maybe some people did forget that Bray Wyatt's downfall or the reason why he is the feed character started at WrestleMania 30. Lost to the Undertaker the year after that. Got beat up by The Rock after that. And John Cena. 
twice. That second time Bray Wyatt got embarrassed at WrestleMania due to John Cena. I don't know if you guys forgot forgot about that. WrestleMania 33 loses the title to Randy Orton. Wasn't on WrestleMania 35. He came back and helped Matt Hardy at uh, WrestleMania 34. And here we are at WrestleMania 36. Now tell me, do you think it's a bigger moment if Bray Wyatt beat John Cena at WrestleMania than him losing to Roman Reigns at WrestleMania? You let me know. Because <laughs> a lot of the stuff with the, with the Fiend character is the East to the men. He never really took being the champion seriously. So he never needed the title in the first place. Uh, like they mentioned on Busted Open, it was a sacrifice. It was a means to an end. What's Bray Wyatt's ultimate goal? To do undo the wrongs to him and get payback on those who harmed him in the past. So uh, sometimes the easy stories go over people's head because we like to overcom- overcomplicate things. And try to act like we're smarter to the situation than we are. But if you really sit back and actually pay attention to the show. Instead of what Twitter is telling you. I think you get a better grasp of what the product actually is. So let's transition to AEW really quick. Before we do that let me take a swig of water from the Wookiee Man. Uh, This swig of water is brought to you by Desati. Hey Desati, sponsor this podcast please. I appreciate it. I say Dasani or Smart Water has always been the two brands of water I always drink when it comes to like recording shows or <laughs> uh, podcasts or whatever. Uh, Dasani, a man's best friend. Um, speaking of best friends, best friends were at AEW Revolution this past Saturday in Chicago at the Wintrust Arena in downtown Chicago right around Soldier Field or as I like to call it. The UFO, UFO ship or the Jimmy Neutron ship with Roman columns around the building. Um, <laughs> so we had Revolution this past Saturday night. I did not watch the show live because I had some other stuff I had to do. And also I was not going to pay money for the pay-per-view. So I was waiting for the show to be re-uploaded online so I could get the transcript out of the way. And then I, I had a different... Um, I had a different viewing experience of Revolution than most of you because a lot of you guys were watching it live and you were at the edge of your seat and everybody's coming together like a big family, putting over this fantastic pay-per-view. Um, when I watched Revolution uh, in late Saturday night going into Sunday morning, um, I thought the show was pretty good. I wouldn't say it was a great pay-per-view or anything like that. I'd give it a solid B. Um, a lot of the stuff that I, I saw in the show was stuff that I could have seen on Dynamite, like Dustin Rhodes and Jake Hager. Even though it was nice to see Jake Hager's wife, man, she's still hot. Um, Jake Hager made Dustin Rhodes tap, uh, pass out to the uh, standing arm triangle choke, so that was pretty cool. I, I thought the Darby Allen Sammy Guevara match was really good. Um, I was surprised. This match went as short because usually on AEW Dynamite shows or pay-per-view, every match is like 15, 20 minutes. This one was only 10. So uh, I really enjoyed that match with Darby Allin and Sammy Guevara. And then the third one, the third match everybody's talking about right now is the Young Bucks match 
against Kenny Omega and Hangman Page. The quote-unquote greatest tag team match of all time, according to a lot of people, or the greatest tag team match that they ever seen. I'm not going to begrudge people if that's their point of view. I think there's a little hyperbole that's attached to that, but that's just my opinion. Um... I, I don't think it's the greatest tag team match i ever seen. Um, there's a lot of tag matches that, in New Japan that I consider way better <laughs> than what I saw on Revolution on Saturday. I, there was matches in NXT UK like the Grizzled Young Veterans against Mustache Mountain that I thought was better than this match. Or the um, Revival against uh, American Alpha match that I thought was better than this Hangman Page, uh, Young Bucks match. Um, don't get it wrong, I really enjoyed this match. It was, uh, definitely, if you put it in the bar burner category, steal the show category, anything like that in a wrestling circle, you would definitely put this match in that category. It was fantastic. The, um, the false finishes, I really appreciate the story aspect of the match where it wasn't just all spots uh, in a regular Young Bucks match, you got those. You had your fast-paced sequences, but there's a story being told. Uh, there was body parts being picked apart. Not really much of uh, rings being cut in, in half, but that's <laughs> rarely ever the case in AEW matches. Um, I, I enjoyed the match. It was really, really good. Hangman Page and Kenny Omega defeated the Young Bucks to retain the AEW World Tag Team titles, but the greatest tag team match ever? I don't know about that. I don't know about that. Uh, it was a really, really good match. And honestly, it's probably the best match of the show. So, um, yeah, it was. I thought it was a pretty good match. Speaking of cool moments from Revolution, we saw the debut, the AEW debut of... Colt Cabana. Colt Cabana has signed a contract with All Elite Wrestling, and Colt has decided to join forces with SU to bring on the fight to the Dark Order. And that moment went down on the Buy It show, and I thought it was a pretty cool moment for Colt. Now he's back wrestling on television every single weekend. I could be happy for him. I've always been a big Colt Cabana fan. Um,. Always loved the Art and Wrestling podcast. That's one of the reasons why I started my own wrestling podcast. Uh, his format's always been different because it's always been about interviews and telling stories. But um, uh, I'm very happy for Cole. It was a big moment for him to get that in his hometown in Chicago. And that was a really nice moment. Um, let's see what else I could pull out here for thoughts of the show. Uh, they announced that coming up on March 25th on the Dynamite episode in Prudential Center in New York, New Jersey, uh, AEW is presenting uh, a special theme episode called Blood and Guts. So basically, this is a subtle, uh, uh, what, what, what do you call it? Like a modified version of War Games, you know? Uh, they're going to cover the cage with steel. Uh, it's, it's two rings. Same setup as War Games. Uh, I guess there's going to be different rules because they announced on uh, this week on Dynamite that they're going to announce the rules for the match um, coming up 
on TV next week, so we'll see what, what that happens. So, good for them. They want to do war games. Go knock their socks off. <laughs> um, let's see what else stood out really quick. The Nyla Rose-Chris Statler match was disappointing. I will not lie. I really don't like coming out here and talking about matches that were sloppy or botch-worthy, but uh, these girls were put in a tough situation following that tag team title match. Uh, try to get the crowd back, but also just some of the stuff at the match just didn't work out so well. So I, I felt bad for them. But uh, Nyla Rose is still your AEW Women's World Champion. We had Cody Rose versus EJF. Uh, this is a really great outing from EJF from a character standpoint. I thought the match was good. Uh, it, it didn't meet my expectations because I thought this match was worthy enough of closing that pay-per-view. But a lot of the shenanigans that are going on with Wardlow, Art Anderson with his Matt Nagy play, play sheet, and Brady Rhodes is out there as well. It was just a lot of uh, hoopla and shenanigans for a match that was supposed to be a fight. And then a lot of the first part of the match was just working holds and chain wrestling, and I was just surprised by that. The match layout I didn't think was the greatest. Um... Um, I, I'm, I'm reserving my comments on the Cody Rhodes tattoo, cause, and I I feel like I'm more than capable to speak on this because I actually work in the tattoo business. But um, you know, I, I I won't begrudge what you get on your body or where in particular you're gonna get a tattoo on your body. Uh, I just feel sorry for some people when they get bad work done. You know, <laughs> I'm sorry if that comes out mean or whatever, but. I showed this tattoo to my uncle who owns the tattoo shop. He's had this tattoo shop here for over 15 years. I don't, I don't want to share what he told me. So, <laughs> oh, man. That was a big topic. And I don't know about you guys. It didn't take away from me my enjoyment of the match with Cody and MJF. But it was something that I noticed. It was something I paid attention to, but it didn't ultimately distract me from what the story they were being told in the ring. NGF clocks Cody with the dynamite ring uh, in, in order to cheat to win. NGF picks up the victory over Cody Rhodes, and this feud will continue on. Uh, we had the in-ring singles debut of Orange Cassidy taking on Pac. Uh, I thought this match was way too long, in my opinion. Uh, it, it was nice to see Arch Cassie wrestle, and he's a good wrestler. Uh, his connection with the audience is something that I will never understand. Um, but he's a good wrestler, though. <laughs> I'll, I'll give him that. I just thought this match was a little too long for what it was supposed to be. You know, Pac toyed around him in the beginning part. Uh, Cassie uh, still doing his poses and stuff, but... Uh, I didn't think this match needed to be 10 minutes long. That's just my opinion. Um, and then finally, we had Chris Jericho against John Moxley for the AEW World Title. We had the choir singing uh, Judas for Chris Jericho, which, which was a nice touch. Um, I'll say my thoughts on the whole singing with Judas stuff later on when we talk about Dynamite and NXT. But, um, but in regards to the match... I don't know. I want to get you guys on this because 
I, I was listening to Hoodie the other day when he was recapping Revolution, and he said he was disappointed by the Cody NJF match. I was personally disappointed with the Chris Jericho John Moxley match. Maybe because I see a lot of Moxley matches in New Japan, and I see sometimes with Jericho wrestles in New Japan that, um, I don't know. I would say he felt formulaic, but I don't know. I, and I definitely will not come out here and say that these guys went through the motions because that was not the case. I don't know. For something for me personally, I felt something was off with this match. Like, of course, you have your big spots. You have Suicide Dives. You got Lion Saws. You got Cold Breakers. Uh, I, I thought the inner circle interference was way, way too much in this match. Uh, uh, Moxley slipped out a way to pick up the victory with the Death Rider. I mentioned it before, I'm not a fan of the Inner Circle. I'm not a fan of the Judas Effect. Uh, I think it's a shitty-ass finisher, to be honest with you. Uh, and John Moxley beats Chris Jericho with the Death Rider to become your new AEW World Champion. It was a really nice moment for Moxley. I really liked the post-match uh, speech he gave to the crowd, so I thought that was a pretty cool moment. But as a match, and these media scrums feature the president and owner of All Elite Wrestling, Tony Khan. Or some people would call it Jacksonville Dixie. I would not go there because I think that's kind of harsh and funny. But uh, I give credit where credit's due. I think Tony Khan has done a really good job with AEW. And it's far exceeded my expectations of the company so far from a business point of view. And uh, he, he should be commended for what he's done so far. And the fact that he's got the fact with AEW to get re-signed by TNT for three more years. So credit where credit is due for Tony Khan. He had a comment uh, in this particular scrub that caught my eye. And I want to play this clip with context. Because that's what we do here on the Who's Podcast. We have substance. And we apply context before I come out and say something. So... Here's a comment from Tony Khan. Take it for what you will, and then he'll hear what I had to think about it. Wrestle Kingdom, uh, Chris Jericho really like pleaded for AEW and New Japan to cooperate a lot. Do you see that in the foreseeable future? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, they're, they're, you know, we all uh, definitely watch a lot of New Japan in this room. I think they're a great company, and a lot of my people have worked shows there, and I have no problem with guys as long as it's not interfering you know, on a regular basis with what we do on Wednesdays and with our pay-per-views, uh, with guys working there. That's some of the flexibility we have. Now, can't have it all the time, but I think it's been a fine for me. It doesn't really bother me. Hasn't really been a two-way street. Like, haven't gotten, haven't seen a lot of their guys here. Uh, I don't hear from them often. Uh, but, you know, if, uh, if you guys are watching this, you're welcome for all the great stuff I've done for you. And uh, <laughs> if you'd ever like to send somebody here to do work... Uh, I would treat them respectfully like you guys have treated my guys because, like, generally when my people have worked there, I think you've done right by them, um, you being New Japan. Marty, Marty Skrull got an advanced role in Ring of Honor, and obviously he's been close with a lot of people in this company for a while. Is that anything that's even been broached? Is that something that, that you're open to? I don't really like doing a lot of work with, like, other wrestling companies. There have been situations where, like, we've worked stuff out for people to make appearances here and there with our people going there or people coming here when they, like... Uh, you know, we're like with MLW, I worked things out with Court a couple times. I just called them and we tried to figure something out. We're, schedules didn't conflict. And But other than that, then AAA, we've done a lot of good yeah. stuff with AAA, obviously, uh, with, with 
you know, championships and storylines, and they've, they've been very good, and they do a nice job. But uh, other than that, we haven't done much. Uh, but I'm not opposed to doing, like, partnerships with people necessarily. Uh, and, you know, they, yeah, they've got some good stuff going on. So, you know, God bless them. And uh, I thought Matt and Nick, they did a great job with their JR sit-down, and they had a great line. That was a great line. And so, you know, God bless those guys. Alright, so there you go. Here's the comments from Tony Khan regarding uh, AEW's relationship with New Japan Pro Wrestling and also other possibilities working with other wrestling promotions around the world. The comment of uh, thank you for everything. Um, oh, no, this is like you're welcome for all the great stuff I've done for you. I want to get this right because I believe in context and not putting words in people's mouths. Whether that comic comes from a negative point of view or I, I I can't speak for Tony Cobb. I can't. I don't know what his intention was with that comment, but I thought that comment was kind of odd because when you look at the premise of what really happened before All Elite Wrestling became All Elite Wrestling, now, there's no prior knowledge that Cody, uh, Tony Khan uh, helped finance some of the stuff that went down at All In, like flying Chris Jericho from one of his Fozzie gigs to Chicago to participate in that event. Nobody mentions that. Um, you know, finding a way to prowl Kenny Omega, Heyman Page, who just had a breakout performance in the G1 uh, the Young Bucks, Cody, all these guys were staples, not only in Ring of Honor, but also in New Japan to start off this company. So, you, in a lot of ways, whether a lot of people want to agree with it or not, Tony Khan took business away from New Japan Pro Wrestling. I don't know if they have a, a partial agreement where uh, New Japan wrestlers should be allowed to wrestle in AEW shows or vice versa, like you mentioned there on the clip. But not that the the quote bothers me, but I think there should be some context here because when you say you should be, you're welcome for all the great st- stuff I've done for you. Actually, New Japan's done some great stuff for you because you practically take <laughs> like seven other top stars, uh, at least not. Uh, local or country based stars uh, but when you have Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks especially away from New Japan and that's your feature attraction and those all these guys are executive vice presidents in your company I think it's a little different this, than just saying oh they, you're welcome for all the great stuff I've done for you as if New Japan was beneath AEW all these years which never was the case and then there was a comment on Dynamite this week where, where John Moxley's like, we brought professional wrestling back. Professional wrestling hasn't gone anywhere. <laughs> That's the one thing with this company, though, that I just don't understand. I, I get it. You want to live in your bubble. You want to be the alternative to everything that's going on right now in professional wrestling. But you're not the reason why professional wrestling is back. There's been a lot of great companies that still been around, not just the WWE New Japan Pro Wrestling is still around, folks. <laughs> it's still around. Oh, man. All right. Let's move on. Uh, let's talk about uh, this week's Pro Wrestling Report segment. And this segment, we're going to be recapping episode 20 of NWA Power. 
and WWE Power. This is a show you can watch every single week on YouTube. Uh, check out the make sure to subscribe to the NWA channel so you can um, see that every single week. Let me pull this up right here really quick. This week was episode twenty, dubbed "Stamp and Defend." Uh, we saw Zicky Dice defeat Ricky Starks for the NWA World Television Championship. I was not expecting that. Zicky Dice is definitely be a character that Don Callis would push to the moon if he was an Impact Wrestling right now. I'm just saying that. <laughs> but uh, Zicky Dice is your new NWA World Television Champion. We found out that Camille's going to be wrestling for the first time on NWA Power uh, coming up soon. So I'm looking forward to that. And um, let's see what else. We had the Marty Scroll Nick Aldis press conference for the uh, Crockett Cup. Let's hear some comments for these guys, shall we? Here we go. Kyle Davis here on behalf of the NWA at the Gateway Center Arena in College Park, Georgia. It will be the home of the 2020 Crockett Cup as the NWA World's Heavyweight Champion, Nick Aldis, will defend against Marty Scroll. This building, beautiful building. People want to talk about history. History really, really will be made here. My love for professional wrestling started when I was five years old many many years ago and it's been my life it's it's all i know it's all i know how to do and that's why i need to become world heavyweight champion uh you're giving up a lot of weight to nick in this fight but the truth is when i give up weight i make up in an extensive wealth of knowledge in professional wrestling and experience so it's not even a case now of me being a student of the game right now i am a master of professional wrestling and that's why i'm telling the fans if you're thinking about buying a ticket for the crockett cup then do it because i guarantee that i will become nwa world heavyweight champion at the crockett cup and now it's time for the nwa world's heavyweight champion the national treasure nick aldis today is day 493 of my second reign as the world's heavyweight wrestling champion. So when I look at this brand new arena in a major US market, headlining a pay-per-view, I can tell you with all sincerity that it fills me with a great deal of pride and is the most defining period of my professional career. When it comes to the NWA, there is the national treasure, Nick Aldis, and then there is everybody else. And when you look at Marty and I, face to face, and the referee gives his instructions in the middle of the ring, and the bell sounds, you will know that by being in the ring with me and having the opportunity to defeat me, for the world's heavyweight wrestling championship, Marty Skrull has the chance to live forever. And when it's all said and done, you will know that Nick Aldis and the NWA have over-delivered again. April 19th, the challenger, the villain Marty Skrull, the champion Nick Aldis, Yeah, broke it. 
And I'm very, very, very excited for this uh, Crockett Cup show coming up in the middle of October. We got some payments going down on uh, in April uh, besides WrestleMania. Uh, we got Impact Rebellion where Tessa Blanchard is putting her title on the line against Michael Elgin and Eddie Edwards. Uh, and also we got this Crockett Cup show coming up in April. We got some good pay-per-views coming up in the month of April. It's going to be a busy month. as if Just like every single month of wrestling is fucking busy on my end. But um, no, I really enjoyed that press conference right there with Marty Scroll and Nick Aldis. It's just like the anticipation point. Like you're you're just ready for this match to happen. And then we still got a couple more weeks of power that we have to get through. And um, I think they announced on the show this week that they're actually um, showing two more episodes of their their new square uh, circle squared show uh, just to balance out whatever shows they taped for the last uh, taping schedule. So. Uh, power is going to be a little different. Uh, I'll see what happens next. But going back to what happened this week, uh, there's a interview that Dave Marquez did with Aaron Stevens. I have it on my page at ProWrestlingTranscriptions.com if you want to watch it. It's one of the funniest uh, segments I've seen this year. Uh, Aaron Stevens is out of his mind. The dude is freaking hilarious. I'm loving what he's doing right now on NWA Power. I I, I wouldn't say he's my favorite character on NWA Power because that's Nick Aldis, but Eric Stevens is the man. I'll, I'll just say that. We saw the main event of NWA Power this week was the bouncers taking on Eli Drake and James Storm for the NWA World's Tag Team Championships. Uh, Eli Drake and James uh, Storm ended up retaining thanks to help and uh, from Eddie Kingston. Pretty good match to close out that uh, show in Atlanta at the GPB Studios, if you will. So, another good episode of NWA Power this week. Uh, other things I want to mention really quick on the Pro Wrestling Report. And, um, I really enjoyed the t- uh, Tessa Blanchard Tyler Valkyrie match from Impact this week. Uh, this match was for the Impact World title. This was the first time where we had females competing for the main world championship. So make sure you check out that match as well. Uh, and then finally. We had. Um, on the pro wrestling report. And the news that Matt Hardy's leaving WWE. And. This bumps me out. Because I always been a big Matt Hardy fan. I was a big broken Matt Hardy fan. When he started in uh, Impact. And. Um, it sucks. But I. More than anything, I always want uh, Matt Hardy to be happy. So, whatever he does, whatever promotion he decides to work for, I'll support him. And that's just what it is. I really think that it's cool that Matt Hardy wants to go out on his terms and wants to make the last couple years of his career actually mean something. And that's good on him. He's definitely a future Hall of Famer. He's a legend in the business. Um, it sucks that he's got to go, but, um, yeah, I, I was, I wasn't really surprised by the news that, uh, Matt Hardy was leaving WWE. Uh, he wasn't really showcasing that much besides the stuff that he was doing recently with Randy Orton, but uh, whatever it is to satisfy, satisfy Matt Hardy's career, uh, I'm, I'm for that. And like I mentioned a couple minutes ago, every wrestling, every wrestler should go out on their own terms. So, that's just my thoughts. So here we go. Um, 
Let's see what else we can talk about really quick uh, before we get into our final thoughts of the show. Oh, we got to get to this week of WWE. Oh, boy. Where should we start? <laughs> you know what? Let's start off with SmackDown this past Friday from Boston. And we'll start off with Goldberg and Roman Reigns, where Goldberg comes out and says, uh, it's not about who's last, it's about who's next. Roman Reigns comes down and says, I'm next. Got a nice little visual, nice little moment there. And Roman Reigns is going to be fighting Goldberg at WrestleMania for the Universal title. I'm very curious to see how the story continues to be told as the weeks go by. I don't know if Goldberg's going to be at SmackDown tomorrow night as I record this on a Thursday, but I want to hear what Roman Reigns has to say about this. Why Why is it now that Roman wants to get his title back? This is the first time Roman has actually decided to go back after the Universal title since he uh, he relinquished it uh, when he announced his uh, return to leukemia. So I'm, I'm, I'm very curious to hear what Roman has to say. Uh, we had a rematch from Super Showdown with Bailey and Naomi, and that turned into a tag match with the return of Sasha Banks and the worst theme song in all professional wrestling. <laughs> yes, yes, yo. Yes, yes, yo. Sasha Banks, yo, yo, yes, yo. <laughs> I love Snoop. This is not me digging out Snoop Dogg. I, I, I always been a Snoop Dogg fan, but that song absolutely sucks ass. Um, we have Robert Roode and, uh, Robert Roode taking out Kofi Kingston in the singles match that I thought was pretty solid. Pretty cool, uh, first time singles match between the two competitors. He had a former WWE champion taking out a former TNA champion. So I thought that was a nice little touch. And then we had the contract side for, uh, the Braun Strowman match at Elimination Chamber. It's going to be a three-on-one handicap match. Uh, Sami Zayn, Nakamura, and Cesaro put Strowman through a table uh, to close that segment. And then we had, let's see, what else stood out? Oh, we had the announcement that um, <laughs> the tag titles would be on the line inside the Elimination Chamber. Uh, a tag team Elimination Chamber match. Uh, I know we had a tag team for the women's tag titles last year. Because uh, that was where the inaugural tag champions were crowned uh, last year. So... This one should be insane. It's going to be Miz and Morrison putting their titles on the line against New Day, Heavy Machinery, Lucha House Party, The Usos, uh, and Rude and Ziggler. So that's going to be a barn burner. Speaking of barn burners, The Miz and John Morrison had a barn burner with The Usos on SmackDown this past week. If you haven't watched that match, go check it out. That Avalanche Canadian Destroyer from uh, Jimmy Uso is absolutely insane. Um... And then finally, we have the, uh, the segment that closed out the show, John Cena and The Fiend. John Cena comes out, talks about WWE always being his home, and reflecting on whether John Cena should be part of WrestleMania anymore. And if he's he's cognizant of the fact that him being part of uh, WrestleMania takes away from younger talents, and then <laughs> coincidentally... Uh, Ironically, five minutes later, he uh, accepts a match with Bray Wyatt for uh, WrestleMania. So, um, pretty good solid SmackDown. I wouldn't say the episode was great, but I thought it was a good solid show coming off the heels of Super Showdown where everybody was shitting all over it. 
So um, here's the updated match card for uh, the Elimination Chamber, which say that, you know what, I'll say that for the prediction part of it, okay? Uh, let's go to Monday Night Raw really quick, because we got to get to these predictions soon. I still got to talk about Dynamite and Dark, uh, Dynamite and NXT. Um, pull it up here, Monday Night Raw from Brooklyn, New York, where the show started off with Brock Lesnar, Paul Heyman, and Drew McIntyre. Uh, Paul Heyman going on soliloquy talking about how uh, Drew McIntyre is a fraud and that the the Pavlonian dogs in Brooklyn only cheer for Drew McIntyre because he takes advantage of momentary situations like what happened at the Royal Rumble. Uh, he said, uh, you want to know why Drew McIntyre is not going to beat Brock Lesnar in WrestleMania? He says that Drew McIntyre is nothing more than a big stupid bitch that's going to get squashed at WrestleMania. Drew McIntyre comes out. Uh, Brock Lesnar walks around the ring, tries to cheap shot Drew McIntyre, but ends up getting Claymore kicked in the face. McIntyre delivers two more Claymore kicks on the stage to close the segment. So McIntyre getting one up on Brock Lesnar was a nice visual. But I'll be honest with you, I'm excited for this match. But I want you guys to be prepared for the moment that Brock Lesnar does defeat Drew McIntyre at WrestleMania. I just want to say that I think that's something that could happen. I don't know if it'll be a squash match or not, but I think Brock Lesnar could beat Drew McIntyre at WrestleMania. We had a really special moment on Monday Night Raw this past Monday night as the Street Profits defeat the Monday Night Messiah, Seth Rollins, and Buddy Murphy for the Raw Tag Team titles. Thanks to help from Kevin Owens. We have, they'll, they'll have their rematch coming up on Sunday. Uh, really interesting moment right there where uh, after the match, Seth Rollins is getting interviewed by the, who I like to call as Snacks Caruso because, man... You want to talk about Waterfall? Charlie Caruso definitely <laughs> makes my list on that category. Uh, Rollins said that pick the stipulation of Kevin Owens for whatever match they have at WrestleMania. I think these two are going to have a match at Hell this uh, at Hell to Cell. I really do. I'm holding out hope this would be the first time where current superstars get to have the Hell to Cell match at WrestleMania. And have Triple H be the special guest referee, please. Um... If that happens, man, oh, that'd be so cool. <laughs> not not to say that they take my idea from it, but that's what I would do. But um, let's see what else happened. Um, the AJ Styles promo on The Undertaker this week on Raw was really, really funny. Uh, especially the stuff going on with Marky Mark. When Mark Wahlberg's telling AJ Styles to run away for The Undertaker. It's like... I'm phenomenal. I'm taking advice from Marky Mark. <laughs> it's on the WWE YouTube channel. If you ever watched that interview with, um, if you ever watched that pro for AJ Styles, I, I bet you definitely enjoy it. Um, Alistair Black had to run the OC gauntlet because AJ Styles likes to manipulate the rules and doesn't want to fight Alistair Black one on one. Gets to the point where Alistair Black and Barry can stand on his feet. The, then he gets his match with AJ Styles, and then Styles just put him away with the phenomenal forearm, so it wasn't really much of a match. Um, the reveal for Eric Rowan was what it was. Uh, I'm not really going to spend time talking about it because it's really 
not much to say, you know. <laughs> um, it was nice to see Ruby Riot against Liv Morgan. They got some time. Liv Morgan got to pick up the victory there. It was nice to see some good waterfall there with Liv Morgan. Uh, I thought Shaded Baser and Kyrie Sade had a good match, despite whatever you heard from that annoying ass Brooklyn crowd. Um, and speaking of good matches, we had Rey Mysterio and Humberto Carrillo taking on Andrade Cien Almas and Angel Garza in a tag match. Uh, that was a really good Lucha Libre match right there. And then um, what everybody's talking about right now is the segment with Randy Orton and Beth Phoenix. The reason for why I thought Monday Night Raw was the best show this week from Raw and SmackDown. I I I count SmackDown from Friday to Monday type of thing because that's how we do when we have when we record the podcast on a Thursday. So I thought Raw this week was the best show for the the WWE main roster, and um, the segment with Randy Orton and Beth Phoenix speaks for itself. I mean, the story that Randy Orton was talking about how Edge was always uh, Randy's biggest advocate and a friend and supporter when Randy was making dumb decisions during his early part of his career. Um, then it took a twist and turn where he was saying that he cares more about uh, Edge's daughters more than Beth does, and he calls her an enabler. Beth slaps Randy in the face. I think uh, they, uh, they, it didn't get caught on camera, but I think Ori called her a bitch or something like that. And then Phoenix kicked Randy in the gut. Randy dropped her with the RKO. Boom. Man. That was a powerful segment. There's a lot of discussion going on right now about whether Drew McIntyre... No, not Drew McIntyre. I'm sorry. There's a lot of discussion about whether Edge and Randy Orton should be the main event, the last match of WrestleMania this year. I'm not opposed to that idea. I just don't know if it's going to happen. <laughs> I mean, we, we I guess it always goes to what the best story is, right? What what's the best what's the best proper moment for WrestleMania to close? I'm not opposed to Drew McIntyre and Drew Ma- uh Drew McIntyre and Brock Lesnar closing the show. I'm not opposed to this match closing the show. Hell, I'm not even opposed to John Cena and the Fiend closing the show, but they got interesting choice. Like I said at the beginning of the show, the lineup for WrestleMania this year is really, really, really good. So, yeah. It's a pretty pretty stacked lineup, to say the least. So, in my opinion, when it comes to this week at WWE, I thought Raw from Brooklyn was really, really good from top to bottom. And uh, a good show heading into this Sunday's Elimination Chamber pay-per-view. Alright, let's talk about... The Wednesday Night Wars, shall we? Let's talk about AEW versus NXT. Really quick, just some brief thoughts and a couple clips here from AEW. Uh, from Dynamite Dairy in Broomfield, Colorado. We had John Moxley having a promo off with Chris Jericho. Uh, Jossie, uh, Moxley thanks the fans, saying that the, this title belongs to them. and they, uh, they uh, Moxley thanks the fans for helping Will... AEW to existence in what they are right now. Moxley said he'll be a fighting champion and he'll uh, <laughs> he'll um, do anything to keep hold of this championship. He also dares the inner circle to come out and beat him up and take the title out of his cold dead hands. Chris Jericho comes out. He talks back to the 
uh, Denver crowd. Jericho offers up the opportunity that if he uh, can't, if, if Moxley walks out of the building tonight on his own two feet, Jericho said that he would take a leave of absence from AEW for 60 days. So that ended up leading into why we had the main event of that show. Um, the Dark Order SU uh, Colt Cabana 8-man tag team match, I thought was okay. Pretty solid match there. I got to tell you this. I, I, I love watching Stu Grayson wrestle. Um, I think Evil Uno is kind of all over the place because one minute he wants to just do stunts and tag in and tag out every five to ten seconds. And it kind of throws me off a little bit when I'm transcribing a match. I don't know if that's intentional where you... I get in parts of cutting the ring in half and all that stuff and this isolate, isolate people in certain quarters. But there was a part of this match where there was like seven or eight tags in two minutes. Like, really? I don't know. Uh, SU and Colt Cabana picked up the victory over the Dark Order. Uh, Evil Uno got upset and said that the Exalted One is coming soon. We had a really big... My favorite part of Dynamite last night was the Cody Rhodes-Jake Roberts segment. In fact, I'm going to play for it for you right now, actually. Here we go. I hate to spoil the party. But damn, man, I got tired of listening to you crying, bitch. I never cried over one match in my career. And you're gonna let that little punk son of a bitch get you down to crying? He whipped you like a dog. Don't you understand you got your ass kicked? He handed it right to you. That's not why I'm here. Oh, I know, I know, I know. Hail mighty Caesar. I'm not here to praise you. I'm here to slay you. The only reason I'm here is I have a client. The dark side will be coming to AEW. And once our roots have taken hold, it'll be like this. Phoenix rising from the ashes, soaring to the sun. It's been 20 years for me, Cody. 20 years to get clean, to get right. And by God, I earned it. And if you think for one minute, that I'm going to uh, be a nice boy and play right? My man, you've got another thing coming. You see, for years, I used to put a snake in a bag just to make somebody think about it. And once you thought about that snake, I had you in the palm of my hand, and I wind up spanking your ass. That's what happens. I will be... On the outside of the ring, when my client faces you, and you can bring that 
one-trick pony Art Anderson with you. <laughs> My God. Cody and throws the microphone at him. It not only is that a mic drop, but how about the disrespect right there? Holy moly, man! I have no idea why this is happening. Who's who's Jake Roberts' client? All I know is that was awesome. <laughs> that was pretty cool. Um. I wasn't going to shrug my shoulders like, oh, you, every, every time there's something going on with Cody Rhodes, we got to drag out DDP, Arn Anderson, all these uh, reverends from the past. But, hey, man, I'm curious to see what happens. Who, who do you think is um, Jake Roberts' client? I have no idea. I'm not even going to try to guess. <laughs> I guess I need this play out a couple more weeks on television. Uh, some people mentioned maybe it could be Luke Harper. Uh, I think it would be cool if it's Lance Archer, to be honest with you. But um, we'll see. I think it's a very interesting scenario, if you will. Speaking of interesting, I thought the Pac-Chuck uh, Taylor match was pretty good. And then it ended up being announced that uh, Pac is joining forces with the Lucha Brothers. And they're forming a group called the Deaf Triangle. So, uh, interesting new group in AEW. Jake Hager made quick work of Jesse Rogers, a.k.a. QT Marshall. And then we had a nice promo here from MJF. Um, let's display it. Let's hear what MJF had to say. Here you go. Better than everybody else in this great sport. And that's pinning shoulders on mats and banging rats, a.k.a. winning. I went from protege to prodigy. As I defeated and pinned Cody Rhodes smack dab clean in the middle of that ring, I proved beyond a shadow of a doubt that I truly was the final chapter of his epic little odyssey. Now, I believe it's about high time that you, the AEW faithful, have a head author that you can count on. And I can assure you, I got a whole lot of ink for my legacy. And that legacy will read as follows, MJF. The greatest world champion in the history of professional wrestling. Yeah, no need to change the channel. No, no need to fix the audio. You schmucks heard me right. And so did you, Mox. Jonathan Moxley. I don't care if it's you. I don't care if it's a guy named Timbuktu from South Peru. I am going to become the number one contender. And I'm going to get the gold. And I don't care who gets in my way. I don't care if it's Chris Jericho. I don't care if it's Hangman Adam Page. I don't care if it's Kenny Omega. I don't care if it's Pac. Hell, I don't care if AEW management wants to throw me some bones, you know? Like a, like a Lucha Boring. Or a Jungle Jabroni. Or a 
teeny tiny Marco stunted growth. Because I'm going to remain undefeated here in AEW. And do you know why? I'll tell you why. It's because I'm better than you. And God, Wardlow, it is so hot in here, man. Otto, can you just take this off for me? Whoo! Denver, who knew, man? Crazy. God knows wearing this. I mean, this is, this is embarrassing. Oh, boy. I mean, this shirt, it's obnoxious. It's regrettable. And quite frankly, it's very distracting. Kind of like a neck tattoo. Don't you think? We're done here. Oh, man. <laughs> you know what, guys? I kind of envy MJF, I'm not going to lie. Now, there's not a part of me where I want to be an asshole 24-7, 365. That's not where I'm coming from with this, but... God, that guy's fucking smooth on the mic. Jeez, man. Damn. You know what? Dun, 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 dun. Boy, boy, boy. You know what? Ed Jeff, you are a wonderful man. And that moment when he becomes the world champion and that will definitely piss the people off, that's going to be a wonderful moment. Yes. All right. So, here we go. Let's talk about NXT. Oh, I forgot to mention the main event. Should have done that. Uh, Chris Jericho, Sammy Guevara taking out Darby Allen and John Moxley. The inner circle layout. Uh, Moxley out in the concourse area before the match starts. Um, uh, one thing I'll give AEW credit for, and more importantly, I'll give Chris Jericho credit for, is that at the beginning of the show, they, they said that they're going to put the AEW roster on notice. And this kind of leading up towards that bloody guts match because they said that they were going to go and hurt a lot of people in the AEW roster. I mean, you saw them have the brawl with the Young Bucks, uh, Dustin Rhodes, QT Marshall, and Cody earlier before the main event. Uh, man, it just looked like Hager and Tanner Ortiz just wanted to get in scrap fights all day. You know, <laughs> they attacked Boxley before the match. They have a five-on-one handicap match basically with Darby Allen at the main event um, Darby put on a really good performance last night I'm not going to take that away from him but it was not enough as um, Allen was going for a suicide dive and then again Jericho has to rely on his crappy ass Judas effect to help win the match so uh, Jericho and Guevara defeat Darby Allen after the match, John Moxley comes out with a steel chair. He the numbers is too much for John Moxley. The inner circle power bombs Moxley off the stage through two tables on the floor. So that's how Dynamite ended. I thought Dynamite was solid this week. Um, I wouldn't say it was a great episode. I, some stuff was hit and miss, for my opinion, at least match wise. But um, I thought the stories were told. Really well. I thought I, I really enjoyed the Cody Rhodes, uh, Jake Roberts segment. That was my favorite part of the show. MJF promo. Well, when is there ever a bad MJF promo? Uh, I thought the Pack Chuck Taylor match was decent, and then of course, um, as I mentioned before, the um, the main event was okay too as well. So that's my thoughts on Dynamite. I thought this week NXT had the edge over Dynamite as far as overall show because. 
they got a lot accomplished on this NXT episode. Not only did they have marquee matches, but they also got stories over for things that are going to take place in Tampa Bay. So we had Tegan Knox and Dakota Kai in a steel cage match. These ladies beat the shit out of each other. Uh, I never... <laughs> I know Kai is all about kicks, but man, it was like one kick, one kick, one kick, one kick, one kick. It was like... There was like 80 kicks that were thrown in this match. It was absolutely ridiculous. But um, Tegan Knox showcased some herb strength and her athleticism. I mean, she even chokeslammed Kai off the top rope. I mean... And then she did that awesome diving cross body block off the cage. Uh, and we got Marl going, Mamma Mia! Mamma Mia! <laughs> so, uh, Knox was really close for winning this match. Again, thanks to interference from Raquel Gonzalez, Dakota Kai went on to pick up the victory. Here's what I was talking about when it comes to NXT developing stories instead of just relying on long wrestling matches. Uh, Finn Balor talked about Walter. Good promo. Rhea Ripley taking a trip and visiting Raymond Jade Stadium. That got me a little hyped up because, you know, I, I'm going to be there in four weeks. And it's kind of cool to look at the stadium like that, you know? Uh, so, her talking about her big match coming up with Charlotte Flair at WrestleMania. I thought that was really cool. Then we had Chelsea Green qualify for the um, NXT number one contenders ladder match at NXT TakeOver uh, Tampa, so it'd be nice to see that waterfall in person. Keith Lee will be taking on Cameron Grimes next week for the NXT North American Championship. Uh, hey, Cameron Grimes, I think Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers want their hat back. Um, we had two really, two really solid matches here from NXT. The first one I'm talking about here is the Unstrewed Era against Oni Lorcan and Danny Burch. I could watch these two tag teams wrestle a gazillion times. It was just good, traditional tag team wrestling. Uh, really enjoyed that match. And then we had this whole freaking brouhaha of promos where the other is talking smack to the broser weights. Bobby Fish calls Matt Riddle and Pete Dunne the loser weights. Uh, Matt Riddle is talking about stallions. And then out comes the best tag team in the world, the Grizzled Young Veterans attacking... Uh, the uh, uh, attacking the Brosweights from behind. Um, they're saying out with the old, in with the grizzled young veterans, soon to be recognized as the world's number one. I I can't do Zach Gitson impressions, but that dude is a beast on the mic. And I hope to God there's a triple threat match for the tag titles at uh, Takeover Tampa. So that's something I'm hoping they pray for. So. Fingers crossed, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, one of my favorite matches from NXT this week, and I thought my favorite match of the night in general last night was Austin Theory against Isaiah Swerve Scott. My God. They didn't get a lot of time, but, man, this one, if you want to put it in the barn burner category, you could put this match in the barn burner category. And then finally, we had... Um, Mauro now having an intense interview with Johnny Gargano. Johnny Gargano being highly emotional and tense after every question Mauro asked. It got uncomfortable a little bit, and I, I think I heard him right. He said that next week's NXT is going to take place inside a performance center. That should be pretty cool. I never, never thought that was going to be a possibility, but um, all right. <laughs> so the first time ever, the WWE Performance Center will have the live 
edition of NXT. So we'll see what happens there. Uh, we had Roderick Strong against Velveteen Dream in the main event of NXT this week. Kind of a wise decision for Velveteen Dream. While he did not win the match, he decided to switch his focus on the NXT Championship. And I thought that was kind of cool. You know, Adam Cole wants to interfere in every single match that goes on with Roderick Strong. Why does anybody go after Adam Cole? He's the champion, right? So, the Dream locks the cage after Roddy escapes, right? And he starts going after Adam Cole. He's whooping his ass. And, you know, like the freaking hyenas they are, he has to knock Fish and O'Reilly off the, off the fence. They got... Roger Strong gets himself in. He starts whipping them with a kendo stick. Um, and then Dream did the Dream Valley driver on the steel chair. Dream poses with the NXT title. So if we're getting Adam Cole versus Velveteen Dream at NXT TakeOver Tampa, sign me up because that's going to be awesome. So that's my thoughts. On Wednesday Night Wars this week, I thought I thought NXT had a better show than AEW from top to bottom this week. So it was nice to see from NXT. They probably won't be AEW in the ratings, but as an overall show, I thought NXT was better than Dynamite last night. And then finally, before we get out of here for this podcast, I know you guys are excited to hear from Brett Carter. Uh, get the thoughts of Derrico, if you will. Uh, let's make some predictions. Yes. For the Elimination Chamber coming up this Sunday on pay-per-view on the WWE Network. We have Street Profits taking on Seth Rollins and Buddy Murphy for the tag team titles. I got the Street Profits retaining. I got Braun Strowman defeating Nakamura, Cesaro, and Sami Zayn with a triple power slam. That's going to be dope. Um, AJ Styles versus Aleister Black in a no disqualification match. I see AJ Styles winning that one with a lot of help from the OC, but also showed up with the Undertaker showed up in Philly in that in that show. I got Miz and Morrison to retain the tag titles in the Elimination Chamber match, and then finally Shayna Baszler will defeat Oscar, Natalia. Ruby Wright, Liv Morgan, and the beautiful Sarah Logan in the Elimination Chamber match. And Shayna Baszler will go on to take on Becky Lynch at WrestleMania for the Raw Women's Championship. So, not a lot of matches for the Elimination Chamber coming up this Sunday. I don't know if they'll add any extra matches for this event uh, on SmackDown. So, we'll have to be on the lookout for that. But besides that, you know, this is the last big event before WrestleMania and... It's gonna be here before you know it. So I'm, I'm, just, I'm very excited. I'm very excited for this trip. I'm ready to get out of the city, enjoy my five days in Tampa, and I hope to see some of you guys down there. So, with that said, I hope you guys enjoyed the Elimination Chamber coming up this Sunday. We are five episodes away from reaching 200. And as I mentioned in the description of all these podcasts, for anybody who's listening right now that wants to send an audio message or a shout out. For the 200th episode of the Who's Podcast, you can make sure to send it um, around April 6th or April 7th because the, the 200th episode is uh, April 9th. And I want to at least pile up a compilation of the clips that you guys do send, if any of you do send a clip. So uh, if you want to send a shout out to yours truly or Adam for both of us for having the 
Hoots Podcast for four years and 200 episodes. Thank you for the support. As always, we love and appreciate you guys because we come on here and try to have a different platform and have some fun talking about professional wrestling in a more positive light and hopefully make your day better. So with that said, uh, we're going to wrap this thing up. You can follow me on Twitter at the Hoots Podcast. I'm on Instagram at JoshLopez94 at JoshLopezMusic. Uh, make sure to subscribe to the podcast right now so you never miss an episode. Tell a friend about it. Uh, make sure that you leave us a four or five star rating, four or five star rating or review on Apple Podcasts. Make sure to bookmark ProWrestlingTranscriptions.com and make sure to check me out on Hooded Lopez every single week on Tuesday, Wrestling Tuesday. So with that said, it's your boy Joshi. Remember, folks, be the authentic product that is yourself and never allow anybody on the surf to speak for you. I love you guys. We'll be back here next week for episode 196 to recap the Elimination Chamber. And right now, folks, strap in because it's time for the thoughts of Derrico. You're welcome, man. And now, the thoughts of Derrico. Listen well, man. Welcome, welcome, one and all, to the most revolutionary part of your week. It is The Thoughts of Derrico, featuring the one, the only, Brother Carter. What a week it's been. So much to talk about. And the things we can't talk about. And I can actually say that this week because Southpaw Regional Wrestling <clears throat> is back for a third season this summer, and I can't wait. I love me some Southpaw Regional Wrestling, featuring Lance Catamaran, Chet Cheddarfield, Clint Bobski, and all of the wonderful characters like Mr. McElroy and the Sea Creature. Oh, what a week it's been. Yeah, I can't wait for Southpaw Regional Wrestling Season 3. I don't know if they're going to be able to do it. Uh, obviously, they can't use John Johnson uh, as champion since uh, TJP is no longer there. Clint Bobsky obviously will not be there because of Le Champion. So it'll be interesting to see if they can get Cena to do Lance Catamaran or you know what they're going to do with that. But I can't wait for Southpaw Regional Wrestling Season Three. I always die laughing. Uh, you know, you've got the Butcher and you've got all those characters. Oh, it's going to be Chad. Too bad, Tex Ferguson. Oh, it's going to be awesome. I can't, I can't wait to see more of Southpaw regional wrestling this summer. Okay, <clears throat> switching gears, the two big events that happened this past week were the Super Showdown, which I didn't get a chance to record my thoughts on because it had happened. Uh, the Super Showdown had happened after Brother Adam had released the latest edition, yes, of the Hoots podcast, or the podcast that Hoots and this is what I'm going to start calling it now, the podcast that hoots. Yes. Anyways, uh, and I didn't have a chance to, to talk about that, as well as AEW's revolution. And I got to tell you, I, Super Showdown, I, I was not, I didn't have a chance to check out a lot of the show, but I saw the highlights. And I'm sorry, I think AEW Revolution wins this round. There's, there's no question. AEW Revolution was a better show from top to bottom, I think. And, now, and again, and I know it's you're comparing apples to oranges a lot of times. 
And, you know, Super Showdown was more of an attraction type event for, for the fans over in Saudi Arabia and, you know, potentially setting up some of the, the, the feuds for WrestleMania season. So I get that and I understand that. But man, Ricochet being squashed by Lesnar in a minute and a half, Goldberg beating The Fiend in two and a half minutes, like, I'm all about WWE, you know, putting on the best product and doing what they can for uh, for media appearances and stuff like that. I know that's why they're doing Goldberg versus Reigns to get some mainstream media attention. I understand that. Same thing with John Cena versus Bray Wyatt. I understand that. And I understand that Bray Wyatt does not need the title. I get it. Bray, Bray Wyatt is way over than, way more over than anything that WWE has right now. So he doesn't need the title. I get that. Which maybe actually says what they think about Roman Reigns is they're <clears throat> still pushing Roman Reigns as the top guy, but they need to give him the title because obviously he's going to win the championship at WrestleMania. Uh, so I don't know why, why WWE did what they did, but you know, I wasn't a huge fan of the Super Showdown event. I, I just, something about it just doesn't sit with me. I'm usually the type of guy, and Josh knows this, I'm the type of guy that usually, okay, you know, there's, 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 a, there's, a, there's a hidden lying by why WWE is doing some of the things that they're doing, but I just, for the life of me, can't figure this one out. So we'll see what happens getting into Mania season and what they're going to do building up to WrestleMania, so we will see. But now let's talk about AEW Revolution, and I had a chance to check out the event. I loved it. I thought AEW Revolution was a fantastic event from top to bottom. The tag match between Kenny Omega, Hangman Page, and the Young Bucks was without a doubt one of the best tag team wrestling matches I have ever seen. It was incredible. The action in the ring was great. The false finishes and all that stuff really kept you on the edge of your seat. The athleticism was unbelievable. I will be thinking about that match for a very, very, very long time. Darby Allen and Sammy Guevara had an incredible match. Uh, they were fantastic. Uh, both of those guys are incredible athletes. And they're going to both have bright futures. The MJF-Cody match was awesome. I loved MJF getting over, getting the win. Obviously, we knew that was going to happen. That feud is going to continue going forward. MJF is a future world champion. And that's, to, to quote Paul Heyman, that is not a prediction. That is a spoiler. MJF is the total package. He's an incredibly badass heel. He's good in the ring. He has a good look. I am all in on MJF. I'm all in on a lot of the talent right now in AEW. Orange Cassidy is hilarious, and he is so over with the crowd. It's unbelievable. It's because he's the anti-wrestler. He is the anti-wrestler, and it completely, completely works. I am all in on Orange Cassidy and what he is doing right now. John Moxley getting the world championship. I think that's the right move. Uh, it was finally time for Moxley to be the flag bearer of AEW. And I, I just love the event overall from top to bottom. Fantastic wrestling from top to bottom. AEW has a lot of momentum going right now, and I'm all in on it. I'm a big fan. And then transitioning to, Revolu uh, to Dynamite this week, I had a chance to watch Dynamite as well. And Jake the Snake Roberts was back. thought that was kind of cool. He cut a good promo, actually. I was, I was surprised um, at how good his promo was. I thought it was, thought it was fantastic. And uh, I love I love how all of the stories are kind of intertwining with each other, and it gives you even more reason to tune in. Like for example, the inner circle was beating down. I'm trying to remember last night, they were beating down somebody, and then Cody Rhodes came out to try to make the save. There, uh, they were beating down uh, Dustin. That's what it was. It was Dustin 
and uh, QT Marshall. And then Cody Rhodes came down, the Young Bucks came down, Hangman Page came down. So all of the storylines are kind of intertwining, and I absolutely love that. And I like I like how they're trying to give you more reason to watch and create really compelling television. So props to AEW on a fantastic, fantastic week of sports entertainment. And I'm already looking forward to next week's episode. I will close uh, my wrestling talk. I want to go back to Raw real quick. The closing segment between Randy Orton and Beth Phoenix was also badass. You knew going in Orton was going to hit Beth Phoenix with the RKO uh, to end the show. But how they set that up was absolutely incredible. Uh, Beth Phoenix and Randy Orton, both incredible actors, uh, actors and actresses. Uh, just, just phenomenal, phenomenal work. Uh, Randy, when Randy Orton said, you're a bitch, and uh, under his breath, and the, everyone in the crowd caught that, Beth Phoenix kicked him, and then Randy Orton hit, him with the, hit her with the RKO. Awesome, awesome storytelling. I have a feeling we're going to see Edge this Sunday at Elimination Chamber. If not, then he'll be on Raw next Monday to set up the match between him and Orton at Mania, and it's going to be great. So, great week from Raw, not so great week from Super Showdown, and a fantastic week from AEW. And those are the thoughts of Derrico for this week. My final thought is just wash your hands, people. Wash your hands, and we will all be just fine. This has been The Thoughts of Derrico. You're smarter now, man. John Cena, tonight you get much-needed history lessons. History lessons from The Rock. Lesson number one. In 1773, the great people of Boston had had enough. They had enough of the British because like you, John Cena, in the WWE, the British were here in their faces every single week, every single month, year after year after year. They had enough. The people started a revolution. The American Revolution. Well, tonight, we start a new revolution. The Rock Revolution. In 1773, the people took England's tea and they threw it in the Boston Harbor. Calling it the Boston Tea Party. Well, tonight, we're going to have a party of our own. The Rock, the people's champ, the people, Team Bring It, we're going to have a party of our own, and it starts now. Let's get this party started, because what we're going to do, we're going to take all of John Cena's trash, all of his hot garbage, and we're going to throw it where it belongs. And here's just a few of the items. Here it is, John Cena t-shirt. There goes that. John Cena, alarm clock. Can you imagine, Jesus, waking up to this face every morning? Ding, 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 ding. Yeah, time to get your ass whooped. What else we got? We got we got the John Cena midget shorts. Didn't even know they made these. What an insult to midgets. And now we got we got the John Cena garden gnome. What fourth dimension of hell did this come from? There's a, there's a man right now in his 30s or 40s who actually has this in his garden, and he's a virgin. What else we got right here? Uh-oh. 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 We have the John Cena. This is a John Cena wristbands. Yeah. Making him look like a transvestite Wonder Woman fighting crime. Pew, 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 pew. 
This is my favorite. It's my favorite. They actually make this. This is this is John Cena cologne. They actually make this crap. John Cena cologne. I'm gonna show the world right now what this smells like. This smells like fear, fruity pebbles, and possum piss. You see, John, the revolution begins tonight. So you could you could take all your hot garbage and all your hot trash that you have been shoving down the people's throats year after year. They're sick of it. We're sick of it. You could take it all, John Cena. You could take you could take your midget shorts. You could take your Wonder Woman wristbands. You could take it all. Roll it all up into a ball. Turn that some bitch sideways and stick it straight up your Rudy Tooty fresh and fruity candy ass. The revolution begins tonight. The Rock, we're going all across Boston until we end up right there in the middle of that ring after all of our history lessons with The Rock getting in your face. Tonight, The Rock Revolution begins. You, Jabroni, get in a rowboat, get your ass out there in the middle of that Boston Harbor and clean up all that John Cena trash and throw it in the trash where it belongs and burn it. The People's Party starts tonight. Boston... Here we go. Oh, I got a feeling.